So anyway, I want to jump into our sermon. If you recall, we've been doing a series just on, uh, I called it Playlist, the meaning behind the music. And we do spend time on Sundays singing songs. And, and I said, as a pastor, I wonder how many times we're singing things and we're not really sure what we're singing, but it sounds good, so we go ahead and sing them anyway. Uh, go ahead and bring up that next slide. There's a song every year at the 4th of July. Every year during the uh, fireworks, there's a song that's played uh, by Bruce Springsteen. Born in the USA. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's the 4th of July. It's the rodeo. There's fireworks. Everybody just wants to scream, America, I'm born in the USA. You know, like seriously, it's this song we all know the chorus to. And we all sing the chorus at the top of our lungs. We want to wave the American flag. I'm born in the USA. That's who I am. I'm I'm a great patriot, whatever else. But... I want, to, I want to read the words to this song. Now, if you're like me, I've got about the first line and a half memorized. The rest of it doesn't matter. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just kind of make it up, speak in tongues if I have to, whatever it takes until we get to the chorus, because that's the part I like. I don't know the rest of it, but I mean, I just kind of mumble, bumble, and I'm just waiting for that born in the USA so I can scream it real loud. Anyway. Born down in a dead man's town. The first kick I took was when I hit the ground. You end up like a dog that's been beat too much till you spend half your life just covering up. Got in a little hometown jam so that jam, so they put a rifle in my hand. They sent me off to a foreign land to go and kill the yellow man. Come back home to the refinery. Hiring man says, son, if it was up to me, Went down to see a VA man. He said, son, don't you understand? I had a brother at the Key Singh fighting off the Viet Cong. They're still there. He's all gone. He had a woman he loved in Saigon. I got a picture of him in her arms now. Down in the shadow of the penitentiary, out by the gas fires of the refinery, I'm ten years burning down the road. Nowhere to run. Ain't going. Ain't got nowhere to go. Is that Ronald Reagan wanted to play, because Born in the USA is a great chorus. He wanted to play it at one of his campaign or political events. And Bruce Princeton said, man, you don't get it. The song Born in the USA, we make it a patriotic cry. Like it's this patriotic, we're awesome. Really, it came out of Bruce Springsteen sat down with some veterans from Vietnam. And when he left that meeting, he wrote this song. And rather than Born in the USA being like this patriotic cry, it was more a cry of desperation from this veteran whose life had fallen apart. He couldn't get a job and he's crying out, hey, I'm born in the USA. Doesn't that mean something? Man, we play it for the fireworks. I feel good. I scream America. Words. The meaning behind the words. And in this series, we've just been taking a look at some of the songs that we sing. And, and, and we're trying to just look at them and say, okay, here's the words. And here's what truly this song means. So as I sing it, I'm expressing something from my heart and mind that resonate with God. I'm not just waiting to get to the chorus that I like so I can sing it real loud, but, but I'm waiting and I'm understanding the words that I've been singing. The, the song that I want to look at this morning, I think is a song 
pretty similar to that because we get to the chorus and we all love singing the chorus. It's a song that I've told Walt, I'm not doing this again. I will tell you this week has been absolutely crazy trying to study uh, for this song. It's a song that I want to go ahead. You can pull up the words to that song. It's the days of Elijah. I mean, talk about a song that if you aren't a church person or if you haven't spent time in the Word of God, has got to be confusing. What are the days of Elijah? These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses' righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And then we say, behold, he comes. We like this part. That's the part we all get excited on. You know, that's born in the USA right there. Yep. Behold, he comes. <laughs> Let's raise our banner. Then we get back to the words. What? These are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones becoming his flesh. I'm telling you what, if you have not read that story and you're in a church service and you're singing, these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones be what in the world are these people doing? They're kooks. They're like vampires or something. You know what I'm saying? And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. These are the days of the harvest. Your fields are as white in the world. And where the labor is in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. And then there's no God like Jehovah. It's a song that is, that is rich. It's almost too rich for a pastor on a Sunday morning and the word of God. It's a song that's rich in the stories of the Old Testament and even some New Testament prophets. But do we ever think about that as we're singing it? Or are we just excited because it feels good when we sing this song? So this morning, what I desire to do is take the little parts, put some meat on those, show you the scriptural implications of those, but really come back and look at this as a whole from a theme because we can get lost in the parts but the reality is that I'm learning through 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 reading and studying the song is is there's a theme that continues throughout this song and I will say just so you're aware I believe that the songwriter when he wrote this song he actually puts us in the song with all these other men of God and so I want to come to that but in order to get there We've got to look at the parts first. So that's where we're going this morning. That's what we're doing. I want to pray, God, I thank you for for this day. I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you help us. I pray for the Holy Spirit to help me continue to filter what needs to be said. So we're not here for six hours this morning as we look at all these stories. But, God, that we we can dig in, understand, and praise you this day. I pray for your anointing and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I I, I was saying to myself as I was preparing for this, this morning is going to be kind of like a survey of the Old Testament class. I mean, like Bible College 101 at first in order to get through 
the parts so we can get to the theme. But this, this song starts speaking of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah. And Elijah did what? He declared the word of the Lord. Who was Elijah? If you go to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17 and 18, you can meet this prophet who is Elijah. Elijah was a prophet to the kingdom of Israel that God was using. And, and the interesting thing, if you read those two chapters, is it often says the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So Elijah's job as a prophet, that's the prophet's job, was to speak or do what God said. That's what his life was. And so what we see as we look at Elijah is that he hears from God and does what God says. The the word of the Lord is declared to him and he declares that, that word. The scripture said the word of the Lord came to him when it comes to King Ahab. It came to him when it, go, when it comes to the widow. The word of the Lord came to him in, in all these different situations. Kind of the culmination of Elijah, the story that, that we all kind of resonate with or we hear about with Elijah is the prophets of Baal. Now recall that, that the kingdom has kind of turned their back on God and the prophets of Baal are being lifted up by the king. And so Elijah, because his job in that moment was to, to declare the word of the Lord, is going to do something about that. And so he takes on the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. That's in 1 Kings chapter 18. And what happened was they were going to have... I lost my earpiece. They were going to have this showdown and they were both going to have a, a cow and they were both going to call down fire from heaven, Elijah and the, the several prophets of Baal, and see which one's God was true. And so Elijah in that moment says, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me, so these people will know, Lord, that you are God and that you're turning their hearts back again. In this moment, in this season, Elijah was a prophet. God gave him a word and he had to declare that word. And what was accomplished through Elijah, when we sing this, the days of Elijah, is that the people of God were restored to the one true God. I'm going to pause for a moment. Because as I say one true God, there's a line in this song that we sing There's no God like Jehovah. And I've got to be real honest. This song was written in about 1995. It's an oldie. I feel weird saying that because I graduated high school in 96. So that means I'm a real oldie. So, Anyway, but but the reality, I can remember when I was in a church the first time hearing this song and the whole idea of there's no God like Jehovah, I was wrestling like, am I supposed to say this? Like Jehovah, like I knew that through like Jehovah Witnesses. And so I was like, is this some weird thing that we're singing right now? The reality of the name of God, Jehovah, it actually, you want a, a little trivial fact or a little Bible fact, the word Jehovah explicitly does not occur in Scripture. It's the unspoken name of God. And so that name was Yahweh, which was combined with some other letters that gave us the word Jehovah or Jehovah. And that's where we get that name. But ultimately, there's no God like the one true God is what we're communicating when we sing there's no God like Jehovah. 
There's no God like the God who the Hebrews literally would not speak his name out of fear and respect for him is what we're saying. Jehovah is the one true God. Elijah heard from the one true God and returned God's people to him. So what was next? These are the days of Moses. Righteousness being restored. What was, who was Moses? If you think about Moses, God called him. What did God call him to do? To lead his people out of Egypt, right? Why? Because he wasn't right. Was it right for God's people to be enslaved in Egypt? I mean, really, that's, that's Moses' calling. God spoke to him to lead the people out of, out of Egypt. That's Exodus chapter 3. You can read the whole book of Exodus for the story of Moses. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That's righteousness. Righteousness is right standing, right? It wasn't right. So, so Moses was used by God. That was his role as the prophet to restore what's right. How else do we see that happen? We see that happen when he's up on Mount Sinai. And God gives him what? The Ten Commandments. Because in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, that was the way people were right with God. They had to have a law to follow in order to understand their relationship with God so they could know what sacrifices to make or be able to find forgiveness. They needed the law. Moses was appointed to bring about righteousness with God's people. Okay? You say, I know that. You guys are all so smart, I'm sure. Let me find my notes. John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3. This one's kind of spoken not by, by name, but in, in, in one of the verses. It's just a, 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 a line. <laughs> The voice of one crying in the desert, prepare you the way of the Lord, is the line we sing. If you look at Matthew chapter 3, it's tied to John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist? Was he not set out, appointed, to be the one who would declare for Jesus? In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judah, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John the Baptist was supposed to come before the Messiah, before Jesus. He was called to what? Declare the word of the Lord. What word was he supposed to declare? That the kingdom of heaven was at hand. That Jesus was coming. That was the moment he was appointed for in time. We continue. I know this is... This is um, Quickly going through the scriptures. Ezekiel chapter 37. Who was Ezekiel? This is the one that I say. Sometimes if you don't know the scripture, you're like, what in the world are we singing about? Ezekiel was a prophet to Judah. Judah had been in exile. And so he is speaking to a segment of Judah. And God is is using him to call them out for what's happening in their lives. And and at one point in this, you can find it in Ezekiel chapter 37, the, the prophet has a vision. This is a vision that happens. And in his vision, God takes him, the prophet, to a valley. I mean, talk about, I want visions and whatever else, you know, that's cool. Can you imagine, like, you're having a spiritual moment with God, 
and he takes you to a place of dry bones, valley death. I mean, that's all there is, bones that are bleached white. And he puts you there like, come on, like, show me heaven. Show me like the streets of gold. Show me like angels. Show me all. I mean, seriously, like, this is what I get. God took Ezekiel in a vision to this place that was dry bones. And he looks at him. Now, I'm already disappointed because I'm not seeing the streets of gold. I'm not seeing all that God has. And he says, preach or prophesy to these bones. Come on. You want me to prophesy somewhere? Put me in the middle of Paul Brown Stadium or what Memorial Stadium in, in Nebraska with the stadium full and let me prophesy to those bones. Like, seriously. I mean, if I'm going to prophesy something, give me a captive audience. No, he put him in the middle of dry bones and he says to him, prophesy to these bones. Well, why? The dead. Ears are cartilage. They can't hear a thing. He said to me, prophesy to, to, to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. One more, one more, one more prophet, one more story. David, rebuilding the temple of praise. I'm going to come back to all these pieces. I hope you're tracking with me. David, remember the story of David, Goliath, all that stuff. Saul, wanted to kill him, didn't like him. We've been reading Psalms in in men's Bible study, talking a lot about David. The reality was during during Saul's kingdom, the Ark of the Covenant was no longer in Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God that, 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 that they put in the tabernacle to worship God. And actually, when you read about it, it's what let them know where to go, when to go, whatever. And so that Ark had not come back to the, to the holy city, to Jerusalem. The Philistines had actually defeated uh, Israel, and so it was not there. It was displaced. It was in someone's house. I mean, talk about crazy. Like in my house is the Ark of the Covenant. Anyway, so David, when he becomes king... He builds a palace for himself, which I think is kind of funny. But then he goes ahead and puts a tent up. But he restores the ark to its place in Jerusalem. How, that's how he rebuilds the temple of praise. First Chronicles, when that happens, says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to, to um to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen. Who said it? All the people. So people who hadn't been able to praise God were now able to praise God. They said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Why, Pastor, are you going through all this? Because I think as we sing this song, the theme that we need to discover is that there is a word that needs to be declared. The theme that we need to discover is the reality, whether it was uh, uh, Elijah or, or Moses or David or John the Baptist or Ezekiel or, or whoever, that God gave them a word for that moment that had to be communicated. He gave them a word that they had to speak. That was the job of the prophet was to speak the word of God. So what is our place 
in all of this? Where do we come into this? There's a line that said, and though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, how well can we resonate with that verse right now? I'm telling you, if you want to get followers on Facebook, talk about end times right now. It's serious. Like, everybody's compelled. Because when you look at what's happening, you say, oh my. Like, economy? Who knows where that's at? When we start talking trillions and trillions of dollars in, in debt relief or whatever else, and we're bartering over $2 trillion, like it's a $10 bill, I don't feel so good about my savings account right now. You talk about what's going on in our world, the things that we don't have, the shortages that are coming. We were talking in Sunday school. we got like two hurricanes coming together in the Gulf of Mexico that are going to collide and form a super hurricane or something. I'm not sure what happens when two hurricanes meet. We got Kathy said she saw a news report about an asteroid that's coming to the United States or, or to the world uh, the day before the election. I mean, all these things that are going on. we got wildfires. we got protests. we got rioting. I can't even buy toilet paper. You know what I'm saying? Talk about famine and trials. He said, we're in this song. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword. There's another line in this song that said, these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in the world. And we, are the laborers in your, vision, in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. I believe this song is more about aligning ourselves with the responsibility that God has placed in our life for this moment. I believe this song is more about putting myself in a position where I recognize, yes, Elijah was called for such a time as this. You know, David or Moses, or whomever we can talk about, Ezekiel and dry bone. He was called for such a time as that. But I have been placed in this moment, this day, and I have been given the word of God that I must declare. Why? Because these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword. The writer of this song said that when he wrote this song, he desired it would be a song of hope. It would be a song that presented hope. That was his whole desire in all of this, that people would understand hope. He wrote it in the context, I believe, of a civil war in Rwanda is what was going on around him. So he was watching all this devastation, all this destruction. We talked in Sunday school. I mean, talk about a dark time. It is dark wherever you look. You cannot watch the news and be encouraged, quite frankly. Because the next time you turn the news on, the asteroids coming at the United or, or at, I mean, what happens next? If God prepared Ezekiel for his moment, or he prepared Moses for his moment, did he not prepare you for this moment? John chapter 4 says, Don't you have a saying, it's four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the field, for they're ripe for the harvest. I want to tell you, the Word of God says, open your eyes and look at the field. We just sang. Right? We sang those words. I want to make sure I, I get it right. These are the days 
of the harvest. Did you mean what you sang? These are the days of the harvest. The fields are ripe. I mean, do you see that? I mean, honestly, like it's okay to say no right now. Like, I don't see that. But we're singing in church. These are the days of the harvest. The fields are as ripe in the world. And and yet, do we even see that? Do we recognize that? Do we recognize that people need to hear the word of God? Do we recognize that there's some who are desperate to understand what the love of God is? There are some who are absolutely clinging for whatever they can to find acceptance, to find love, to find joy, to find hope, and they can't find it in anything they're grasping. But God has placed me in this moment for such a time as this that I could declare to them the word of God. What is the Word of God? The Word of God is the Word made flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's Jesus Christ. He told them in Luke chapter 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. I want to say the world needs to hear about hope. I can't think of a greater time for the message of hope than right now. I can't think of a moment where people are desiring to hear hope more than the moment that we're living in. Declaring the word of the Lord. There's another sidebar I want to take right now because we talk about in this song, the year of Jubilee. What is that? I believe it fits in this moment that we're talking about in bringing hope to people who need hope. Because the year of Jubilee in the Hebrew calendar was set apart about every 50 years. 49 or 50, depending on what you look at. Every 50th year was set apart. And what happened in that year was absolute jubilee. Why? Because slaves were set free. In the year of jubilee, debts were canceled. In the year of jubilee, guess what? There was no toil or labor. Because we stored up for this year. It was a year of rejoicing. It was a year of hope. It was a year of freedom. There's someone who needs jubilee. There's someone who's been experiencing captivity. There's someone who's overwhelmed with indebtedness that needs to be set free from the moment that they're living in. And God has given you the word for this moment. That you can speak to someone, this is your year of jubilee. This is the moment in your life where you'll be set free from that which has held you captive. This is the moment in your life when all the things that were yours that you've lost, that's what happened in the year of Jubilee. Your property was restored to you. It's a message of hope. Ultimately the hope that we, born in the USA, behold He comes. 
riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Matthew chapter 24, the Son of Man, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. We have a blessed hope, church. The blessed hope that we have is that Jesus Christ is coming back for His church. The blessed hope that we have is that no matter how awful it gets, my hope is that God is coming back for His church. My hope is that God is coming back. It says on the clouds. He's coming back in other places. It says in an instant, but He's coming back for His church. He hasn't forgotten us. Behold, He comes riding on the clouds. You know what? In the middle of, oh, I have hope. If the hope doesn't work for this moment, my hope is that in the future God is coming back. What word has God given you? Scripture says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Scripture says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Scripture says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That word has been given to you. We are blessed abundantly. We have the word of God. We heard the word of God this morning. What are you doing with the word that God's given you? I'm guessing Moses could have said no and not seen righteousness. Elijah could have kept quiet and not declared the word of the Lord. Ezekiel could have said nothing and those bones would still be laying there. What about you? What are you doing with the words that God has given you? I said the word is made flesh. He's given you his son. He's made his dwelling among you. God is love. He's filled you with his love. What are you doing with the word that God has given you? You guys can come forward. We're going to sing this song again this morning. And I hope that as we sing this song, it's a song of hope. It's a song that recognizes, yes, these guys did some great things, but God, I'm assuring you, as we sing this song, I want it to be an affirmation, an acceptance, a response to God that, hey, I'll declare the word just like they did. If they can do it, then I can do it. And the word that I'm going to share is the word of hope. The word that I'm going to share is the word of what Jesus Christ did for others. The word that I'm going to share is the reality that there's freedom in Jesus Christ. The word that I'm going to share is the promise that God has come to save you. The word that I'm going to share is that God hasn't forgotten you. He's coming back for His church. Sometimes we've got to declare the word to ourselves. <laughs> Maybe you need to remind yourself of that word today. Maybe you need to declare that word to you. Maybe you need that word revealed to you. Maybe you need to remind yourself that, hey, it might be hopeless, but I have hope in, in, in who God is and what God is doing. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for this song, God. And 
in this moment. And I pray for each of us this day, God, first and foremost, that we would know your word. You know, we say these are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord, but God, he could not declare if he did not hear. So I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would hear your word this morning. The word that you have for us in this moment. And God, I pray that as we begin to declare your word, as we begin to do what your word says, Father, that we see incredible things happen. Kingdoms restored. Captives set free. Life where there's brokenness. Restoration where things have been taken. God, I believe that you've called us to be your witnesses. And I pray that as we use our voices, as we declare your truth, God, that that we would see the incredible things that you desire. Use us. Let this song this morning, God, let this, this moment this morning be a declaration of our hope for who we are in you, in Jesus' name. I had a, I had a born in the USA moment while we were singing that chorus. Because, because if I haven't, if I haven't been harvesting, then I don't want Jesus to come back. Because he said he's coming back for who? For his church. And if I haven't gone to the fields that are ripe for the harvest, then how selfish is it for me to say he's coming back? To get excited in myself for that moment. Because we talked about love in Sunday school. Love is not selfish. It is not self-seeking. And so I really feel compelled that it's we spend a moment right now thinking of the fields that are ripe for the harvest. And I'm sure that when I say fields that are ripe for the harvest, there's someone whose face can come into your mind. I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a moment that God would place the picture of the harvest that He intends for your life. The someone that needs to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I'm going to spend a moment praying for God to use you to declare your word, His word, in their life. That we can truly imagine this song when that person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Imagine singing this song with them when you say, Hey, behold, He's coming, riding on the clouds, and we're going with Him hand in hand. I mean, talk about the joy. Talk about the victory in that moment. But when they don't know Him, man, God, please just give us another moment. Give us another window to share the truth with them that they would know You, that they would love You, that they would accept You. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray across this room. God, I pray for fields that are ripe for the harvest. Spirit of God, I ask 
that in this moment, the counselor, the advocate, the one who indwells us, I ask that you would present faces, that you would put names, that you would put places, God, people in our hearts right now of who is right, God, who needs to know the truth, who is broken, God, and needs to understand the restoration that comes through you. Father, I pray that for each of us you give us a picture of the field. It may be one, it may be 100, it may be 1,000, but God, I pray that right now you would show us God, the song that we just sang declared that we're laborers in your, vi- in your vineyard. God, I pray that as you put those names upon our hearts, you'll give us the word, God, that they need in this moment. You'll give us the word of life, the word of truth that will set them free, God. You'll give us the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can share with them, God, to help them understand fully your love. I pray, God, for that harvest. I pray for these faces. I pray, God, over these names. I ask, Lord, that you would begin to work in their lives, that you would continue the work that you've started. God, I pray that you would empower us as a church to be effective witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would use us, God, as laborers in your vineyard, that we would, God, reap the harvest that you intend for this moment, for these lives, God, for these homes, in the name of Jesus Christ. Use us, God. Use me, God. That I may declare the word of the Lord. Amen. 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna conclude with that because I don't want to sing this song until we're reaping that harvest. I mean, we'll sing it again, but I'm saying I really feel like this is the moment that we we need to focus on that that God has given you a word for this moment. He's given you a life, a name for this moment, and I want you to sing this song with them. I want you to declare the joy that comes to this song when you rejoice with them about their eternal home in Jesus Christ. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. And may you declare, may you declare the word of the Lord. Amen? Be blessed.